Amen. <clears throat> All right, we're back to our old friend John, Gospel of John, chapter 19. Uh, and this is a lesson that will focus uh, on the fact that Jesus was not only fully God, but he was fully man fully man. In every way, he experienced all the same things that we experience, all the pain and suffering and emotional pain that you've suffered, Jesus suffered. Uh, he was not immune from that. Uh, and so it's important for us to understand that. And so if you turn to the Gospel of John chapter 19, two verses we want to focus on today, verses 28 and 29. Uh, and I'll start with verse 28 later knowing that all was now completed and so that the scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked the sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of the hyssop plant and lifted it to Jesus' lips. And so you see this, that even as Jesus is on the cross expiring, he is very conscious of what the scriptures said about him and all the prophecies. Uh, and as he does that, he is aware even of the fact uh, that there was a prophecy relating to the fact of being given vinegar to drink. Um, turn to Psalm 69. Psalm 69, verse 21. They put gall in my food and gave me vinegar for my thirst. And this is a Psalm of David. Gave me vinegar for my thirst. And there was David, who was one of the great prophets, uh, who understood, as he saw what would take place in a thousand years, that Christ on the cross would be given vinegar for thirst. Now, vinegar does not satisfy. It does not satiate a thirst. It does not satiate a thirst. Um, and so it's part, it's part, again, of the persecution of Jesus Christ. And so I want you to understand this. Human beings have thirst. God doesn't have physical thirst. Angels don't have physical thirst. When you get to heaven, you will no longer have a physical thirst. And so, uh, clearly, Jesus is fully human. Uh, and, and one of the things that you see when you study uh, theology and you go back and look at historical elements, what you see here is that the liberal Protestant church tends to forget about the deity of Jesus Christ. And, you know, when I talk about uh, some of the higher... Uh, Protestant denominations. When I talk about higher, we talk about you know, almost as if it's a food chain. And we in the fundamentalist side of the thing tend to be viewed as the lower part of the food chain. And hey, that's okay with me. I'll stay right there in the lower part of the food chain. But the, the, those more liberal elements, and the more liberal elements are considered to be generally high church, more liturgical, they tend really to focus on uh, the, uh, the uh, uh, excuse me, uh, they suppress the humanity of Christ. And the fundamentalists, we, we, we actually uh, don't discuss the humanity of Christ as well. And so uh, the, we, we need to focus on that. The, excuse me, the evangelical church often suppresses the Lord's humanity. I had it mixed up. So the evangelical side suppresses the Lord's humanity, all right? I want you to focus today and understand Jesus was fully human in every way. Um, and yet, as he was both fully God and fully human, uh, he was able to exert his deity in this world as God would allow him to do that from time to time. 
All of the great miracles were because God invested in him the power to do those things, the walking on the water, the raising of the dead. He could not have done this without being God himself. No man could do this. This was God, fully God in every way, but fully invested in a human body. All right, in a human body. So while he tabernacled with us, while he tabernacled with us, Jesus gave incredible proof of his humanity. He entered the world as a baby uh, and was wrapped in swaddling clothes in that manger. Um, And even though he was surrounded by angels, surrounded by angels, he was a baby. He couldn't protect himself. Uh, and, And so Satan set up his... Uh, his mark to destroy him. And you know that Herod wiped out all those babies that were uh, two years or, or younger in order to try to kill him. Uh, and so he was fully human in every way. Now, as a child, we are told he increased in wisdom and stature. Turn to Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And if you would turn off your cell phones, I would appreciate it, as this is being recorded. Uh, Luke 2, verse 52. We'll start with 51. Then he went down to Nazareth, Nazareth with them and, with his, and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And as Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God. He grew in wisdom and stature and in favor. Uh, and so you see this uh, of Jesus. So here he is, a boy. Growing as a boy, being submitted to his mother and father, as any human child would be, uh, yet God is, is giving him incredible wisdom, and he's growing, and as he's growing, he's growing in wisdom and stature, and I'm sure his mother is taking full note of this. There's other verses which say that he does that, and she remembers all these things. Uh, look also at Luke 2, while you're there, in uh, Luke chapter 2, look at verse uh, 46. And this is when uh, Jesus could not be found for three days. Uh, His family had gone to Jerusalem for the high holy days. They had traveled away, uh, and then they misplaced Jesus, as we often do. Uh, Verse 44, thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Doesn't that sound like us? We think Jesus is with us. We, We really haven't made a specific effort to keep him with us. We just assume he's with us. And when you assume that that's the case, often he's not there with you. Um, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look after him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, uh, listening to them and asking them questions. It's a 12-year-old kid, all right? He's sitting with the, with the, the highest rabbis in Israel. And he's basically having theological discussions with them. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, fully God, fully man. Can you imagine what that had to be like? I mean, I'm just thinking about that. This 12-year-old boy, uh, when his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? An astonishing question from his mother. Why have you treated us like this? And Jesus responds, uh, she goes, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. And Jesus says, why were you searching for me? He asked, didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? 
but they did not understand what he was saying. So they, then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. That's Jesus, okay? He had to be in his father's house. So there he is at the age of 12, obviously understanding, understanding that, that he is the son of God. And I often wonder how, how, at what point did Jesus come to terms with understanding the fact that he was the son of God? Certainly, you know, and it's very interesting when you consider that. He's born as a human being. He's raised as a baby. He appears to be like other kids. But then all of a sudden, he doesn't appear to be like other kids. And then you see this uh, incredible stature and wisdom growing. And certainly by the age of 12, obviously, Jesus knew that he had a higher calling in his life. Now, can you imagine being 12 years old uh, and coming to that? Now you understand how God is operating. Fully God, fully human. And so it's important today, as I emphasize the human aspect of Jesus, that you need to know that he suffered just like you suffer. He had pains. He had sickness. Uh, He had emotional distress. All the things that we go through, Jesus walked in your shoes. Can you imagine that you have a God sitting at the right hand of the, of the sovereign creator who's, who's praying for you and knows exactly what it is to have an emotional pain, to know what it's like to be depressed, to know what it's like to suffer and be persecuted. He has suffered all of those as a human being. Uh, it's interesting because in the outline, I tell you that he, that he uh, wearied in his body. That's John chapter 4, verse 6. He was also subject to significant hunger. Matthew chapter 4, you know that. That he, that, uh, he fasted for 40 days and Satan took him out into the, to the desert. He understood what it was like to suffer hunger. Uh, and he needed to sleep. Scripture often says to us that he slept at times. He needed to sleep. Uh, and it, uh, uh, Turn to John chapter 11, verse 33. We'll look at verse 32. This is the issue with with Lazarus, and Jesus is losing his best friend who's died. And verse 32, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, Jesus, you could have intervened. If you were here, my brother wouldn't have died. You would have saved him. And Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews that had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. He was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Why? Because he understood that when he created this world, this world was not meant to endure death. And so what he sees now is the human condition seeing death foisted upon them, not the plan of God. And so the pain and suffering of death, of losing people that you love and care about, being taken away. And Jesus groaned. It's groaning in the spirit, groaning, troubled. I mean, it's, it's, it's an, an amazing picture when you see it. And then further on, when Jesus says, where have you laid him? They said, come and see, Lord. And the shortest verse in the Bible, verse 35, Jesus wept. All right? There's your God. There's your God crying for you. Fully God, but fully man. Fully man. It it makes Jesus so much more of a giant to me that this God, man, walked with us, experienced everything that we felt that we go through. 
and, and the suffering and the persecution and the pain and the depression and the loss. He felt it all. He went through it all. Uh, and so it's important to understand that. Now, God doesn't thirst. He doesn't have these, these uh, human conditions. This is only humanity that has this. Uh, and, and so I want you to turn to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Look at verse 14. We'll start there. Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity. That's Jesus. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason, he had to be made like his brothers in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are also being tempted. What a great series of verses. In order to understand what it meant to be a human being, in order to understand what it means to suffer and be persecuted, he, he came in a, human body, in a human body and experienced everything that you have, and in fact, much more than you have. Uh, and he did this so that he could defeat death because he understood what the sting of death was all about. And so he's made like us in every way. That's what the Bible tells us. He is made like us in every way in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God. He is the ultimate high priest. That's why when we pray now, we pray to Jesus Christ. We ask him for the intervention. We don't pray to a man. You don't need to pray to a man. You don't go into the Holy of Holies and have a high priest go into the Holy of Holies. You don't have that anymore. All that's been taken away. Now you pray directly to Jesus Christ. He is your high priest. And that's why we wrap every prayer, every prayer that we make within your perfect will in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the prayers that get answered in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, remember that. Uh, and so he was God in every way, but also human in every way. Uh, and so as we study this, as we, as we drill down this in this, one of the things that we see is this begins to give us some clarity on the issue of human pain and suffering, uh, which is one of the great puzzles of life. Why do people go through pain? Why do certain people have great suffering? Why does that happen? What, are the, what is the Bible's answer uh, to those issues. And Christ's word on this issue does give us uh, some clarity. Uh, and so when you study theology, one of the things that you'll see is that human beings tend to deflect away any serious study of pain and suffering. Uh, one of the early uh, issues that came out, even while Jesus had just expired, was a, a theology called asceticism, uh, and that, that was a theology that said that Jesus really didn't suffer on the cross because he didn't have a real body. He had a fake body that appeared to be a body, and so he, that body was subject to pain and suffering, but Jesus didn't experience it. You understand how Satan works? You see how satanic forces work uh, to deflect us from the truth? He had a real body. Come on, folks, where do we get this nonsense from? 
And then at the same type, uh, time, the Greeks had the philosophy of Stoicism, which is that as long as you didn't uh, really give in to the pain and you had a stiff upper lip, you really didn't suffer. Well, you didn't really suffer. Come on. Are you kidding me? Uh, and, and, and it was a fatalistic uh, theological position uh, uh, that didn't make any sense. You know, you, just because you, you, you were able to ha- endure the pain, it didn't mean that the pain didn't exist. Of course the pain and suffering exist. Uh, and maybe you control your response to it, but it brings you to your knees. Uh, and so the Bible tells us instead that we acknowledge pain. We acknowledge suffering, that when we have our friends and family who are in pain and suffering, we are to suffer with them. We are to empathize with them. We are to feel that pain, to pray for that pain, to be with them and affirm them. And see the difference philosophy? And that's what Jesus did. He did that. He did that at the, at the tomb of Lazarus. And all along the way, Jesus empathized with the human condition. Uh, and prayed and lifted up humanity in so many ways. And so you need to understand that from a biblical perspective, suffering is not meaningless. Pain is not meaningless. Now, if you say to me, well, can you give me a precise uh, view of that? No, I can't give you a precise view of that, but let's see what Jesus said about it, because I think that's always the best way to start. Look, if you would, thank you, Carlo. Look at John chapter 9 because the disciples didn't get this either. Isn't that a surprise? Gospel of John, John chapter 9, verse 1. As, as he went along, that's Jesus, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? That's the theology. So that's what they were, were giving you. That was the thinking of that time, that if, in fact, uh, uh, somebody had a deficit in their body, a condition, a defect in their body, then somebody sinned. Either that man, he sinned in his mother's womb. I mean, how absurd. He sinned in his mother's womb. Uh, Or his parents, and that God was punishing this person because of sin. Well, look what Jesus said. Neither this man nor his parents have sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. As long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in this world, I am the light of the world. What does that mean? It means this, that when you go through pain and suffering, that, that you didn't do anything wrong. Now, there are times when your pain and suffering is a result of immoral living, reckless living. Yes, there are some things that happen because you've lived a reckless life. Uh, and then these things come back to haunt you. But for most people, that's not the case. And so most people innocently go through life, Christian people going through life, and yet suddenly they'll get a bad diagnosis, they'll go through pain and suffering, and the question is, how did this happen? Why do bad things happen to good people? You know you've heard that. And so Jesus is giving the answer here. No, they didn't deserve it. No, they didn't do anything, but the greater will of the sovereign God is involved here. What does that mean? It means this. If you walk in this world and you're lucky enough to live to the age of 100, okay? You made it. You get a prize. 100 years. Now, how do you put 100 on the scale of eternity? You can't even make that computation. 
You can't even reflect on on what that disparity is about. And God does that. And so God, in his sovereign will, is using your life. You are the blackboard upon which God is writing in chalk what his sovereign will is. And so even as you can't understand it, even as you're getting pain and suffering, you need to understand that God is using that for the greater glory of God. Can I get an amen? Amen. You understand that? The greater glory of God. This is when I say to people, pray that God gives you wisdom and understanding. This is why you need to have wisdom and understanding, because you have a puny, carnal mind. You have myopia. All you can see is this. You're looking ahead. Oh, 100 years. Oh, I want to have. Oh, I'd like to be really good when I'm 90. Oh, I got. And everything is invested in this world, right? Oh, this world. Oh, I love Naples. I never want to live, leave Naples. Oh, it's all I'm thinking about. Meanwhile, God has created the greatest place for you in heaven that you can ever go to. And here you are focused myopically on, on the next few years. And that's why then when you get some of these illnesses, and they're bad, I understand. But you have to understand when you are a person of God, God is using everything in your life to advance the kingdom of God. Some of you are great missionaries and you don't even know it because God is using illnesses, tough times, darkness to advance the word of God. People look to see how you act when you get sick. You're not like other people. You're not like the world who falls apart when they get bad diagnosis. Instead, when I see people here and I hear these prayer requests, and I got to let you know, some of these prayer requests just buffet me. Buffet me. I want you to know that. They buffet me when I hear these things. Uh, godly people suffering in you know, incredible situations, understanding that they are within the sovereign will of God. No man sinned so that God, God's glory can be uh, vindicated. And so this becomes to me an incredible understanding of the will of God. And so, yes, Jesus suffered. He suffered for you. Yes, he experienced pain. He experienced the pain of you. Yes, when he was on the cross, all of the sin of recorded history from the beginning of time to the end of time was heaped on Jesus. So much so that at the end, God could not look at him and communication between the father and the son was cut off. Can you think of anything worse for Jesus, not to be able to experience God himself. And you understand this. Uh, And so uh, we come to understand really about the humanity of Jesus. And we understand also, as we see this, about pain and suffering and how God is demonstrating to us that your pain and suffering are not meaningless. They're meaningful. They're meaningful. And I want to lift you up and let you know that and encourage you right now that God does that, that he's doing that with you in every possible way. His purposes are hidden. We don't understand everything. We don't have an understanding. Why? Because he sees for eternity and you see maybe just around the block. You can't even see 50 feet ahead. All right? You can't even see 50 feet ahead. This is why when we pray and we ask God for healing, why do we finish up? Nevertheless, Lord, what? In your will. In your will. We want to be in your will. And when we say in your will, it means let me understand your will. 
People say to me, well, why do we have to pray in his will? He's going to do it anyway. He's going to do it anyway, but he wants to make sure that you understand his will, that you are walking in his will, that you've accepted his will, uh, because that's the key to a successful Christian life. That's how you go through these dark days and this suffering and pain. I want you to understand something. This is part of the Christian experience. You're not guaranteed you're going to walk through this world without pain. You're going to get pain, just like everybody else, but you're not in a pinball machine. Everything that you go through is going to be ordained by God, uh, and he's going to do that. He's going to be in charge of, of your life and even of your death. Uh, and so Jesus, here he is on the cross, understanding the fact that the Bible is prophetically coming true in every sense of the word. If you look at the outline, I, re- I referenced this. First of all, Psalm 41.9, that says the Messiah would be betrayed by a familiar friend, uh, that the... Uh, the disciples who surrounded him would be offended at him. That's right in the the, uh, Psalms as well, Psalm 41, verse 11. That he would be accused falsely. That's Psalm 35, 11. That, that That the Messiah would be silent before the judges. Look at that. Uh, Isaiah 53. Let's just turn to that, uh, that great passage and and look at that as you understand the prophecy about Jesus. Isaiah uh, 53, verse 7. And in fact, look at verse six there as you started. Surely he took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows. Yet we considered him stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. There it is. This, this is now written 700, 800 years before his death on the cross. And Jesus is very mindful of all these issues uh, of, of prophecy coming over. And then as I, I refer also, the fact that in Psalm 22, we learned that he would be crucified, all right? Uh, the fact that uh, they would gamble over his gar- garments. Uh, the fact that God himself would forsake him at the end. Uh, that's in Psalm 22.1. And even the fact that he would be thirsting and that they would give him vinegar to satiate his thirst. All of that prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before, and Jesus is mindful of everything, mindful of that, even on the cross as he brings it to closure. Fully man, fully God. Uh, and so most likely Jesus was even thinking about these things even as he, as he lay dying on the cross. Uh, and finally, as he bows his head and gives up his spirit, uh, you know, it, it's this. There's such depth here as we come to understand this. Look, one of the things that you need to know about this is I always emphasize uh, the fact that there's a day one experience in which you're saved, all right, having nothing to do with yourself, and there's a day two experience where you take up the cross of Christ, walk with Christ, all right, and walk with Christ, become sanctified daily. That's the day two experience. Well, what I'm talking to you now about understanding pain and suffering, frankly, is what I consider to be taking up your cross. Taking up your cross and following me. Meaning what? You don't fall apart. You don't go to pieces. All right? You don't get angry at God. You understand that you're a child of God. And so you don't need to look for your cross. God gives you the cross. All right? Uh, And he gives it to you. And, And sometimes that cross can be an illness or an accident or a death in the family. 
uh, or broken relationships or financial issues uh, or loneliness. All of those issues can, in fact, be the cross upon which Jesus wants you to take it up and walk. Meaning what? Even as you go through those dark times, as you go through that pain, that you're different than the world. That you don't fall apart. You're not angry because you see the light of Christ. You see that cross and you know that he's there with you, walking with you, and that everything that you're going through is for the greater glory of God. And so we're invited by God himself, as Jesus would, to accept our crosses, all right? To accept our crosses. Yes, Jesus did it, fully God, fully man, but you are fully man, inspired by the Holy Spirit. You have the seal of God in your heart, and God has empowered you in your heart to be able to go through this. Look, I'm not saying that what you're going through isn't horrible. I'm not saying that at all. But all I'm saying to you is today, God is giving you a little bit of an opening to understand the will of God. We can't understand everything. Who sinned, Lord? This man or his parents, neither. So that the greater glory of God could be on exhibit. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you so much for the words that you've given us today. Lord, this understanding of who Jesus was, fully God and fully man. Lord, we thank you so much that you've given us Christ, that you've saved us, Lord, and this great example. Father, also I ask you to help to this lesson to resonate in our heart about pain and suffering, about what it means to take up the cross, to walk with you, even when we don't understand it, even when we are in pain, even as we are suffering, but knowing that whatever it is, that you're there with us for the greater glory of God, Father. Give us straight strength and inspiration to continue to serve you in every way. Lord, be with our people, protect them this week, and, and bring them back to continue the study of your word next week. We put all this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.